This is Money Wise. Your host is Roman Baczynski, certified financial planner and president of Oakwood Financial Network. Securities and advisory services offered through National Planning Corporation. Member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Oakwood Financial LLC, NPC, and any other named entities are separate and unrelated companies. Information provided is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that have been deemed to be reliable, but its accuracy and completeness are not guaranteed. Indices are unmanaged and do not allow for direct investment. Past performances cannot guarantee future results. Neither NPC nor Oakwood Financial Network LLC accept any liability for the use of the information discussed. Consult with a qualified financial, legal, tax, or real estate professional prior to taking any action. Stay tuned for an enlightening hour about managing your financial future. Now, here's Roman. Well, hello, and welcome to MoneyWise. I'm Roman Baczynski, president of Oakwood Financial Network, certified financial planner, and your host. I spent my entire career, over 25 years, helping individuals and businesses plan and organize their finances, utilizing tax-advantaged strategies that help grow, protect, and transfer wealth to the next generation. My goal here on the show is to help you prepare and your loved ones uh, so that you can become better educated and prepared for life's many financial goals. Whether you're in the middle of your career and wondering if you're on track for retirement, perhaps nearing the end of your career and know that you had better start making good decisions to prepare for retirement, or maybe you're already in retirement and wondering if your current approach is the most efficient one. We're here to help you. I am joined here in the studios by my dear friend John McCullough, who has kindly offered to moderate the show for me and assist me throughout this process. Welcome, John. Thank you for letting me be a part of the show. I wouldn't have it any other way. Later on in the show, by the way, we're going to bring on another colleague, Paul Wakefield, from the estate planning firm of Wakefield, Sutherland, and Libera, because I do want to spend some time this evening discussing a very important topic, estate planning. You know, this is an an issue or a topic that affects all of us at various ages. I can tell you from my experience and my practice that on a regular basis, we see what happens when there isn't any planning done in this area. So let's start the show with some some of the current issues that are going on in our economy before we really dive into some of the financial issues. John, you've known me for quite a long time now, and I know that it's no surprise to you that I typically do not like to talk about investments on the air because many investments may be suitable for one person and not suitable for another one. We're um, reaching out to a general audience, so we don't want somebody to take information I give to one person and seem that it's okay for them without knowing their circumstances. Being a board-certified financial planner, planning is very different than recommending investments. You know, you've got your brokers, you've got your uh, sales individuals and whatnot. There are a lot of different hats in the financial world, but when you're doing financial planning, Uh, The investments are important, don't get me wrong, but what is most important is that somebody identifies and puts a written plan together. So in my opinion, step one is you have to find a way to reduce or eliminate the emotion from your investment decisions. And unfortunately, emotional purchases more often than not create more harm than good. It's hard to do in the investment world. We all want to jump on board when the markets are doing well and everybody wants to bail when they're doing poorly. But emotion is one of those things that you have to find a way to eliminate or reduce when you're dealing with investments and have a written plan. 
So that typically turns out to be step one. Financial planning begins with properly identifying your income sources, your expenses, both fixed and variable, tax exposure, cash flow and emergency funds, your current level of savings, and really that ability uh, to save. How much can you put away? Most people don't know because they've never sat down and put a pen and pencil, piece of paper out and written down their expenses, what they spend money on. They're surprised oftentimes when we sit down and take on this approach and identify their sources and their income and where their money really goes. So that usually turns out to be step one. Step two leads us into uh, know what to invest in and make sure you're investing for the right time horizon. So on some of our shows, one tonight and perhaps some in the future, we're going to talk about investing for the right time horizon. Uh, Many of you that, that know me understand that I'm a firm believer that short-term money has no business being in the stock market or something that isn't guaranteed or certain. Short-term money, zero to a year or maybe two, is use assets, emergency funds, and we shouldn't really look at that money as an investment because time isn't on our side for that money. It's the longer-term investments that we may be able to afford to expose to the markets. So we'll talk a little bit about that on this show. Account registrations will be a topic that's going to come up often on our show as well. And what I mean by that is we have an ability to use different registrations on various accounts to help us become more tax efficient. So if somebody puts money into, for example, an IRA account, they can deduct that from their their, uh, exposed income for the year and defer it to some point in the future. Somebody else might be more uh, benefited by using a Roth IRA where there is no deduction, but that money eventually could come out tax-free in their later years. Somebody else might benefit uh, more so from using tax-exempt investments because they're in a higher tax bracket. It's not a one-size-fits-all scenario in financial planning, so there's a lot to talk about there. And keep in mind, folks, as you're listening to a radio show, We're talking to the masses. In a one-on-one consultation, you're getting a catered plan to your needs, more specifically after we've identified your risk tolerance, your time horizon, your needs, your health. There's so much that goes into the mix that these are really personalized decisions, and that's why we try to keep things general and generic on the air. Last but not least, part of any planning process has to incorporate some sort of review should take place at least once a year for changing economic conditions, changing personal situations, changing health, uh, changing objectives, things of that nature. A successful approach should begin with a written plan that identifies many of these steps. Without a written plan or time horizon, you basically just have a dream. And you've heard me say that many times before, John, a goal without a timeline, it's nothing more than a dream. And I talked on the air uh, when I talk about you, I, I talk about a specific guy that I know, and uh, it, it's kind of interesting. Uh, I, I've known him for 15 years. He he goes to we go to church together, and I've watched him go through various stages uh, in his life and through a terrible injury that he got, uh, and it was an on-the-job thing where he was. He went out to do something that he didn't normally do at the plant where he happens to be in a, I believe he's an IT engineer. I don't really know. And a big metal plate fell on his foot. 
and he uh but he he made it through and it took him about a year and then he was he he got well and, and he's able to walk very well with a special shoe and everything's fine and then he retired and i jokingly asked him uh about a month after he retired i said Paul, are you ready to go back to work and he says no way he said this is more fun than i ever thought it would be he's not busier than i ever thought i would be but I'm able to volunteer for things that I was never able to volunteer for before because I've got all this free time, and you know the money's there. And priorities change. We're going to take some trips and so forth. But I, you know, it's just really fun to be able to volunteer to do things, not only at the church but in the community. Yeah. And, and I look at him, and I and your words come to my mind that he didn't get lucky. He didn't win the lottery or win it at the track, or, you know, find it under a rock somewhere, he had a plan. He had a plan. And he planned very well. And he had a good job, don't get me wrong. But he wasn't wealthy to start out. He got a job right out of college and is some sort of engineering type thing, and he, he just had a great plan. And, and people look at it, and there's a lot of people look at him and say, well, he just got lucky, or he, mm-hmm. his family must have had money or, or something. That's not the case. John, we've known each other a long enough time that, that I think we have fundamentally similar values and we're, we're conservative in nature. And, you know, we both agree that there are more important things in life than a big bank account and some of the luxuries uh, th- that are out there. However, and it's it's almost a shame to say it, that certain things in life require you to plan for financially. You know, you can't just say those things aren't important to me because I can assure you that if you have a sick child or something happens to you and you can't pay the medical bills, it will affect you. So we have to plan. Finances, money, unfortunately, uh, is part of the equation. And it's not, you know, the love of money is, is, is the root of all evil. It's not money that's the root of all evil. It's the love of money. So if you treat it properly, if you save, and if you do good with it, which there are many people that I know that do wonderful things in their communities with their success, but it's, again, part of the planning process. Those were part of their goals that were important to them. And you look at places like the, uh, uh, I think, you know, the Van Elslander uh, Cancer Centers mm-hmm. and other well-known family names that really came up through the ranks and, and, and made their fortune. And most good people uh, use that for good things, not like a George Soros or somebody who uses it to fund crazy, wacko organizations sure. that throw urine bombs at each other and things. But the... Uh, and they are doing that, by the way, in Cleveland. The... The good that they can do is if, if, if the average person sat down and looked at what percentage of their estate, these these folks with the money, goes toward philanthropic stuff, it, it would blow your mind, I think, or most people's minds, how much good is done mm-hmm. in the community by people who aren't out there blowing their horns. And again, yeah. it's planning. It's planning. It's planning. And and that's really the message here today. It's have a plan, have some sort of a written plan in place, because everything else, you know, in finance, you do need to save money and put it away. But without a plan, without 
having measuring points, timelines, none of this stuff becomes reality or has a predictable outcome. And I think that's what most people are looking for is to have a predictable measure of outcome to know within boundaries that they're going to be okay. And I believe that uh, we'll be able to help people get better informed through being on the air. And, you know, if, if somebody doesn't want to call in or listen into the radio show and prefers to have a one-on-one consultation, that, that's usually where you get the most out of uh, the situation because now we're talking about your own personal Yeah, and, and let me do that right now and just explain the process. So if you would like Roman Baczynski to take a completely no obligation, no cost to you, look at what you're doing, a good second opinion. And I can't tell you how valuable that can be to just have a second impartial opinion and unjudgmental uh, here's what you do. You pick up the phone and you dial the office of Oakwood Financial Network. As a matter of fact, you can do it right now and leave a message, and one of his staff will get back to you and then set up an hour long. Actually, they go longer than that, uh, <laughs> an hour and a half, two hours. And he, he wants you to have all of your questions answered when you come to see him. Then you're going to get a little packet in the mail from the staff. It takes you a couple minutes to fill out some information that he would like to have before you come in. So it'll make your get-together a lot more meaningful. Then the staff will call you back and go over a couple times that are okay with Roman. You pick one, and you'll get that second opinion. And, folks, it is invaluable. It, it, it just, I cannot tell you. And, and Roman can tell you, but he doesn't like to blow his own horn. So I'm just going to say that there are many instances where really, really awful things have been discovered. No fault of some other planner or some other advisor, no fault of the individual, but a gaping hole, a, an I not dotted or a T not crossed that can bring heartache uh, when somebody passes away. So that's the number to call, 248-312-7217. That's 248-312-7217 for Roman Baczynski at Oakwood Financial Network. And we'll be back right after this. If you got it, you don't need it. If you need it, you don't got it. You don't get it, shame on you. Funny, funny, funny what money can do. Now, back to Money Wise with Roman Baczynski. And this is John McCullough in with Roman Baczynski and uh, somebody that... uh, is going to, uh, well, I'll let you take it, Roman. You're going to introduce what we're going to be doing, and uh, and, and we'll uh, move on from there. Absolutely. Um, for those of you that are not familiar with Paul Wakefield, who is no stranger to our show, Paul has just entered our studio, and he'll be joining us for the rest of the show in an hour-long radio broadcast. It's it's hard to cover all the things that we really want to communicate with our uh, listeners. So I thought maybe we'd spend a little time this evening picking on one or two topics, and estate planning is just as good a topic or as important a topic as any other. And with that in mind, I'd like to welcome Paul Wakefield from the law firm of Wakefield, Sutherland, and Libera. Welcome, Paul. 
Thanks, Roman. Thanks for having me back again. Appreciate it. You know, the feedback that I get in my office and from some of the folks that come on in uh, is always very pleasant, saying, you know, thank you for having Paul on the air. The information received has been invaluable, and it really got us thinking about some of the things that are important to us. In my line of work as a certified financial planner, a lot of people come in, and when they describe their scenarios to me, most people are planning for what they are considering to be that perfect outcome. And they're not taking into consideration those what-ifs. If something happened, what if I became disabled? What if I had an accident? What if I had a stroke and couldn't work any longer? How those things can derail a plan? You know, let's face it, a lot of people have not done enough planning for some of these major financial events, assuming a perfect outcome. And then you bring into the equation the idea or the notion that something could go wrong along the way. A job is lost, a disability happens, an accident takes place, a death occurs in the family. Um, Those things can easily derail a plan. So when we talk about estate planning, sounds like a complicated, sophisticated topic that most people will say, yeah, I got to get to that, and they shelf it because there's something more important or something less intrusive to talk about or deal with. But in fact, and I know you've seen this like I have, Paul, when planning isn't done, you know, sometimes it is too late when an illness occurs, when a death occurs, to, to circle back and try to put things in place that would have made the process that much easier for the survivors. So That's true. Um, what we find in our office is, you know, we really, we strive to avoid problems. We want to um, address this proactively. Um, we, we get a lot of phone calls from people who, they put things off. There's always something better to do, you know, plan the vacation up north or what have you. And what happens is there's a death or a disability, and um, we get a panicked phone call because all of a sudden, you know, even from a spouse, they have zero access to their financial assets. Kids will call in a panic that, you know, they have elderly parents who, who have bills that are going unpaid. Um, it, it's a very um, upsetting situation. So, what we try and do in our office is focus on avoiding the problems, not cleaning the problems up. And um, if you plan ahead, estate planning is very simple. Um, a lot of people are nervous about coming in because they feel like they're going to meet with a stuffy attorney and it's going to be real serious. We actually can have fun drafting these, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. And, um, and and with a good plan, um, we know exactly who's going to be in charge. We know where the money is going to go. We know whether it's going outright or if there's going to be restrictions on the funds, especially with young kids. Um, we know there's going to be no court involvement. If things are done properly, you can completely avoid probate court. Um, a lot of people are shocked to find out that they draft a simple will and they think they're all set, but what they find out at death is wills only work in probate court, and the typical probate proceeding, if it goes well and there's no minor children, is probably about two years long. And it's not uncommon for someone to go through court and spend you know, $10,000 just to, to get a house transferred. So there's really no reason to be going through these um these these awful situations just you know for under $2000 you can avoid hundreds of thousands of dollars of problems it, it it's crazy that people don't do this and that they put it off but unfortunately people just aren't aware of the problem unless they go through it themselves right. or someone they know runs into that problem i'm going to play ignorant for a moment but i know better than this it seems to me and correct me if i'm wrong but John, this world has become quite complicated on many levels. Politically, 
you know, values, you name it. Uh, but even more importantly, everything is, is so uh, technical. Everybody's afraid to get sued or say something or, or do something. In the olden days, and maybe I'm wrong, but people uh, from generations ago would say, yeah, I didn't need those documents. I could open up an account and put a joint owner on there. And if I die, it's not going through probate. It's going to the survivor. Or, you know, little small items like that where they felt it wasn't too complicated. Now you fast forward and people are living longer. And as they're living longer, death is one thing, but disability and stroke are part of the equation and health issues. So that brings in all these documents that folks have never heard of before durable powers for financial, for medical decisions, you know, things that can happen if you're incapacitated. And it's confusing. You start throwing out names like, you know, trustees, successor trustees. Am I giving up ownership? What's going on if I do this? So with your knowledge and your help, take us through the basic process. What a will does assist somebody with moving on to the trust and how that may be a private matter the need for these durable powers, if you should do nothing else. Um, and, and maybe we can take it step by step sure. and build this thing into from the most basic to a little bit more complicated scenario. Sure. So to take a common scenario. Let's assume we have a, a married couple with no documents in place. Um, what typically happens is if one of those individuals becomes incapacitated, we've already we've frozen a, um, a, a good portion of the assets. So, for example, with a house, which is typically joint between a husband and wife, in Michigan, as as probably all 50 states, you can't sell that house without getting the permission of the other joint owner. So we're stuck. So to, to, to sell that house, you'd have to go to court and have someone appointed. They're called a conservator, but it's someone appointed by the court to handle the finances. And that's not free. And then second of all, if one of those individual dies, if there's any individual assets in their name alone, those are frozen. Now we have another probate proceeding, but that's a death proceeding. So we can have a probate proceeding during lifetime, and we can have a proceeding at death. Now let's assume a husband and wife both pass away, and uh, the house and the joint checking account and so forth, those are all going through the court system now, because if you think about it, if I have a joint account with my wife and we both pass away, not, nothing magical happened to that account. It's still joint between me and my wife. It's just that we're not there anymore. So no one else can get into the account. So we have a probate court system, and this is in all states, to basically clean up the mess of people who haven't done any planning. So what they'll do is they'll appoint someone to be in charge. They'll choose who's going to watch the little kids. Excuse me. They pick the person. It, it's not a family member who comes forward and says, I'll be happy to do it or they can, whatever. You can have people raise their hand and say, I'm willing to do it. But the problem is, if I'm the one who's passed, I haven't left any instructions. So the court can't go back and tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, who did you really trust and who should we watch out for and you know who who really cares about the kids and have this, has the same values? Um, they have to pick. So usually they're going to try and hopefully pick someone from the family, but but it's up to the court. So So if you have nothing in place, the good news is there's a system that will take care of picking someone to pay all the bills and distribute the money, and the court will decide for you, based on Michigan law, where the assets will go. But that's not my plan, and that's probably the most expensive, most public way to go. In fact, in this day and age, everybody's worried about privacy. Well, this, these whole proceedings are public. You can go down there tomorrow and sit in the court and listen to the cases and find out where things are going and what people are fighting about. So that's what we don't want. So then the next step is people will 
come in and they'll say, hey, why don't, why don't you set up a will for us? We hear that's the way to go. Well, a will is definitely better than nothing, but the problem with a will is it only works at death, so it's of no use to me while I'm incapacitated. And at my death, it only works in probate court. It doesn't avoid the court process. So the good news is in my will, I can pick who my personal representative is going to be, and I can choose guardians if I have kids under age, and I can choose my beneficiaries, but I'm still in probate. So then the next step is typically people will use something called a revocable living trust. And a trust is simply, uh, it's like a legal container that you place your assets inside. So for example, if you were to look at my checking account, it doesn't have Paul and Laura as joint owners on there. It has the trust name. And if you think about it, if me and my wife pass away, well, my trust is still alive, so to speak. And if me and my wife become incapacitated, it's still alive. So whether I'm out of commission because of an injury, you know, a stroke, an illness, or if, I, if, if I've actually passed, my trust is still going. And as long as my assets are titled inside that trust, all my instructions are laid out in advance. This is who's in charge. This is who has access to the money. This is where it goes. Um, with my kids, um, I've got one that's a minor, so I want to restrict those funds. In fact, I've got some that are over 18, but I want to restrict them as well. So I have it spread out over time. So the money's there for their school and their well-being and health insurance and whatever they need, but they have to wait until they're 30 to get a third. And then at 35, they get another third. And then at 40, they get the balance. And then I have a family member that we trust in charge of that money. And then if there's a problem with the kids with drugs, alcohol, divorce, lawsuits, incarceration, or they're severely disabled, my trustee can hold that money back and it's protected. So the beauty of it is I'm allowing my kids to grow on their own and develop some good values and learn how to manage their finances and hopefully meet with with Roman and develop a financial plan while while they're young because there's nothing better than compounding. But I can know that if something happens to me, my family isn't going to have a mess. Because if, if I become incapacitated and I can't pay my bills and no one legally can get to my assets, we're going to have a huge problem. And I don't want my family going to some attorney and having to pay tens of thousands of dollars just to get access to pay the bills. It's crazy. I'd like to ask a question. You, yeah, please. Either of you can jump in and answer it. Why don't we have someplace at some point where people are taught this at a time when they can appreciate it at least enough that they would know in the back of their mind that some of this has got to be done at some point because right now we do have I such know a that, place it's in my office yeah, right. <laughs> but I, what i'm saying in is our schools there are people yeah. you know 30 40 50 years old out there that are I hearing agree. this for the first time had no clue i have a daughter in college she told me yesterday she doesn't know how to balance a checkbook and wow. this is someone who works as much or more than me so they don't teach us in the schools yeah. i guess they unless, feel there's more important unless things. you're directly involved with financial courses or estate planning or what have you that's where i feel fortunate myself is this has been my lifelong career so i, I look at some of the individuals my age and uh, a lot of this is foreign language to them i i guess i feel blessed that this is my chosen profession, so maybe I'm a little bit more in tune with 
the need for planning and things of that nature. But if it's not in your day-to-day vocabulary, you're busy. You're working in your career. You're worried about paying the bills and day-to-day things. But before you know it, the day-to-day turns into year-to-year, turns into, oh, my gosh, how did I get to this age? And I'm not prepared for, you know, the rest of the journey. Now, I'm going to ask another dumb question, if I may. Uh, I don't want to take you off in the weeds, so if I am, then you tell me to shut up. But Roman and and Paul, you're both at the top of your game. You're you're both very, very good at what you do. I know this from my association with you, Roman, and I know that you wouldn't bring anybody in who isn't right up to the same level you are. So what is somebody to do? They're listening to us tonight, and they're saying wow, how do I check these guys out? How do I check out any, you know, I, I'm I'm out here, I'm not being helped, I need help. How, do, mm-hmm. how does a person go about vetting the person they're going to trust with all this? Sure. In the financial planning world, John, uh, there are a lot of different registrations and titles and individuals. My My recommendation is always for somebody to go ahead and sit down and interview individuals get to know their personality, what they do, what their belief system is, how they operate. You know, financial planning should be very transparent. In this day and age, our industry is becoming more and more transparent. That's That seems to have been the argument from the past that not really sure what I'm getting, what they're doing, where things are going, and so on. These days, uh, th- there are tools in place. Like, for example, uh, I mentioned that I am a certified financial planner. Well, those are credentials that somebody would have to obtain. It's a difficult curriculum, a a long exam to take, continuing educational credits. But to see if somebody is a board certified financial planner, you'd have to, there's a website. Uh, The CFP website is www.cfp.net. And you can search by putting in the individual's name and the state that you live in. And it's going to go ahead and bring up their licenses, their record, if there is any disciplinary action, if they're board certified or if they're not. If they don't come up, if you're looking for a certified financial planner and their name doesn't come up on that website, that official CFP website, then, then they aren't one. Then they're not board certified. They may have licenses to sell products, um, but that doesn't make them a certified financial planner. Now, I will tell you that if you are uh, in, in need of a financial planner and you're looking to plug in my name, do me one favor and just make sure you spell that last name correctly because if you misspell the name, you won't get that information. What happens in my office, John, is if somebody calls and wants to come in and visit with me, we send out, as you know, we call it our green folder, our packet of yeah. background information. Here's what I do and here, here's who my typical clients are and here's my background. And those websites and things of that nature are listed on there. And and by the way, when when individuals have licenses, and maybe they're not board certified, but they have licenses to work in the industry. Uh, These days, most websites have to have something called broker check on there, where they can go ahead and type in the person's name, and it will give you a history of any disciplinary action, what licenses they hold, what states they operate in, and so on and so forth. You can review that information and see if you're comfortable with that person's background, or if you're not. Maybe there were some things that caused them to have some disciplinary action uh, that can be explained, but I would imagine if those items were severe enough, they wouldn't even come up as a licensed uh, individual right. because they've been barred from the industry. Okay, and and then 
I so I let's say I find our personalities match and your 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 goals and your your moral fabric is is good, then I'm just going to trust you to bring in the person you trust, which is Paul. Then that's kind of works that way. Then if there's somebody else that has to come in, you, you for, go get that. For you or anybody else, John, uh, the the advice that I would give is you want to build your team of advisors carefully. And you have to start somewhere. So you want to pick that one individual that maybe you're most comfortable with. That could be your CPA. Maybe you have the closest relationship with your tax preparer or CPA. And then you may ask that individual, by the way, do you have somebody that you know that you could recommend that is certified, has the right credentials to help me with? Now, I would be shocked if a CPA would be willing to refer somebody that it will come back to them and haunt them if they made a bad referral. Uh, I value my accounting relationships, my CPA relationships. If you come to me, the same process is going to begin. I may decide if you need a will or a trust to say you should probably call Paul. If you're already working with somebody, introduce them to me because we need to be on the same page. You want your team to be aligned for tax efficiency, for your investment needs, as well as your estate planning needs. So it, it almost seems to be that it's three individuals in this line of work that you need uh, on the same page or on the same team. Your CFP. Your CPA. Your CPA. And your estate planning attorney. Very good. On that happy note, we'll take a short break. This is Money Wise with Roman Bachinski with special guest Paul Wakefield, estate planning attorney. And we'll be back right after this. Now, back to Money Wise with Roman Baczynski. And we are here in studio. I'm John McCullough, along with Roman Baczynski and our special guest, Paul Wakefield, an estate planning (laughs) attorney. And uh, Roman, of course, certified financial planner. And Roman, I noticed that you brought a copy of your quarterly economic update. This isn't a, a listing of uh, Joe Fabitz's stocks to buy this day. This is a right. lot more deep than that, isn't it? It is, John. And I know you've become familiar with this piece, but uh, uh, four times a year, quarterly, I, I do put out a economic update. And basically, it recaps what transpired in the previous quarter. You know, what went on somewhat with the markets, but where things are going, inflation rates, things of that nature, current events that I believe are beneficial to people. The last thing my office wants to do is send out junk mail and garbage to individuals. This is not junk mail, folks. Trust me. More or less dealing with facts, what's happened, you know, what's going on. You know, the big story last quarter obviously was the Brexit and how it affected the markets and so on. But there's a lot that goes on. And we talk about monetary policy and things that are somewhat important to people. Um, This goes out to my clients and uh, individuals that have called into the the office and said, you know, um, maybe I'm not ready to be a client yet, but could you put me on that mailing list so I can get that quarterly economic update? You can be removed from the list anytime, but nothing else gets sent your way. It's just that quarterly economic update, and it it has a lot of valuable information in it where people seem to, we, we get great feedback on this piece. 
it's time consuming for us to put it together, have it go through our compliance department. So there is not uh, a bunch of junk in there. It's dealing with factual issues that make people think. And it, it usually will bring up a few points in there that says, by the way, so in brief, here's what you may want to consider going forward for the rest of the year. Do this, do that, do the other. And if anything, it may probe or peak some areas that you might want to look into further for your own personal situation. So if you want to get added to that list, by the way, um, for our non-clients, again, call our office, 248-312-7217. Speak to my staff. Just let them know that you, you heard the radio show. You want to get added to the quarterly mailing list for the economic update. And we're, we're happy to send out a copy of that to you. That is the extent of it. You won't be harassed or or bothered for anything else. So, um, but I think you'll find it valuable. And what we found is that folks that uh, tend to receive that quarterly update within a, a couple of quarters, they say, you know, maybe I should come on in and have you really take a, a, a good look at my current situation and provide me with some thoughts on is my approach the best or is there something I could be doing differently? So um, we get very good feedback on this and it's very non-threatening. By the way, I know we're we're short on time, but uh, coming back from break, while we have the the, the um, luxury of having Paul Wakefield in our office today and talking about estate planning topics, Paul, let's uh, if it's okay with you, really want to dive into a, a very general subject of beneficiary designations or registrations on accounts because everybody out there has some sort of an investment or an account, savings, checking, or otherwise, and. Everyone has a preference of how they register their accounts. Some people will set up an individual account. We know what that means. If if something happens to you, well, uh, that money will go through probate, and uh, and that's the end of the story because there's no named beneficiary. Somebody could take the added step of adding a TOD instruction or POD instruction with their bank teller, which basically names a beneficiary on that document, but... You're, you're going to correct me and, and say, it's good, Roman, at death, but not at incapacity. So we'll probably circle back on that one. Some people go out and uh, open up their accounts and they put a child down there or their, their spouse for joint ownership thinking, hey, what do I need a will for? That'll avoid the probate process, which we know that part is true also. But again, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, those assets are subject to both individuals' creditors. So if there's an accident or something transpires, some of those assets could be exposed in a in a in a bad way uh, to creditors. Is that Ab- correct? That's absolutely right. So th- those are probably the most basic and 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 oldest forms of account registration that we know. <clears throat> Naming beneficiaries does have its benefits, but talk to us about why that just isn't enough anymore. Well, one of the issues we look at when we're naming beneficiaries is, of, of course, if you have children that are under age 18 or, or maybe some young adults that need some oversight, by naming a direct beneficiary, it, if your beneficiaries are minors, w- the company can't distribute money to a 10-year-old. You know, they, they have to be age 18 under Michigan law. So um, we're looking at probate again, even though we had a named beneficiary. Now, if we have a young adult, um, that that will avoid probate. That's a benefit at at death, of course. But if we have a young adult and we want to put some restrictions on those kids so they don't blow the money or lose it in a divorce or, you know, who knows what they would do with it these days, we're, we have no control over that money. It's gone. Or maybe we have a second marriage situation 
where um, you know I have my two kids and my wife has her two kids and I name my wife as the primary beneficiary thinking I want to avoid probate but what I don't realize is upon my death 100% of those funds go to my wife and then when she dies based on Michigan law that money's going to pass to her kids because my kids are not technically her heirs unless she adopts them which is pretty rare so I've just disinherited my children and then of course um, if I'm going to name a beneficiary um, sometimes down the road those beneficiaries um, happen to be beneficiaries at a bad time you know right during a divorce or during a bankruptcy or they're incapacitated or maybe that beneficiary has a drug problem if we were going through a trust we none of those things are problems Th those are all taken care of if you have a beneficiary designation or a transfer on death designation none of those those are all very serious problems so there are situations where we don't want assets to pass to a trust and we don't have time to talk about it today but um, retirement plan uh, plans are very tax sensitive and sometimes going through a trust isn't the best idea um, but generally speaking, um, you really need to talk to someone like Roman or myself who are familiar with these rules. So even if your uh, financial house is in order, we make sure that the ownership and beneficiary designations are proper. Paul, I was going to bring up a, an interesting uh, subject matter at, at this point, too. You know, we do generally... Roman, could I interrupt you? Yes, please. We'll take our last real quick break, and then you can bring it up. No problem. Hold that thought. Okay. And we'll be back here on MoneyWise right after this. Now, back to Money Wise with Roman Baczynski. Welcome back. As we start to wind things down this evening, uh, we still have a lot to talk about. And before we went to break, I was going to mention to Paul that we do have a lot of our clients that are a little bit older that do come around to setting up their estate plans properly. But it's that younger generation, Paul. I think they're missing something where one of the delays I found is this lack of conviction of if something happened to them, Who's going to watch their kids? Because that's a decision a younger family has to make. You've got a three-year-old, a five-year-old, and if you and your spouse pass away, uh, who's going to take over? Now, you might have two sets of grandparents saying, I get them. No, I get them. No, I get them. These things are touchy subjects. Do you come across that much in your practice? We do. That's a very, very important for young couple, very important issue for young couples. And, um, you know, what I like to do is help counsel them based on my experiences. We've literally done thousands and thousands of estate plans, so we've seen just about every circumstance. Paul, I know you have, but I guess here's my pointed question. What happens when no planning is done in that scenario? Well, <laughs> rather than being grandparent uh, set one or grandparent set number two, it's whoever the judge decides. Mm -hmm. So um, now, of course, the courts in Michigan will give the kids a little bit of leeway in uh, what their choices are as they get older, typically around age 12 or so. But um, I would rather have my three or four choices and not be 100% on who should be first, second, and third than to have some stranger who doesn't know me or my kids choosing who's going to be first, second, or third. Mm -hmm. So at the bare minimum, even if you didn't have a living trust in place, I would want to have a will that names guardians for my children and spells out who will handle the finances, where the assets will go, and I would want to have a medical and a financial power of attorney to take care of things if I'm incapacitated. 
We've just touched the tip of the iceberg on this matter of estate planning, but financial planning covers that that and many more subject matters, and we'll try to address as many of these things as we can on the radio. But again, if you have a need to ha- ask personal questions, to cover some topics that you hear on the air, feel free to give us a call. My office number, again, is 248-312-7217. And if you have specifically just an estate planning question, Paul, what's your office number? Our number is 248-457-9860. 248-457-9860. Correct. Planning is important. It starts with a written plan. There, there are many, many uh, areas of financial Zero. planning that need to be addressed, and we're happy to assist you and or your loved ones in any which way possible. I remember the one time I came in to see Roman, and I, I was sitting in, in his office, and um, it's it's a beautiful office, and it's but it's comfortable. Yeah, it's just really nice, and we were talking, and I'd get a sentence or two out almost, and then you'd have a call on line one, and you would take it, and it was a brief call. It wasn't a client. It was somebody that asked, you know, just a question. And it's amazing to me, how, and because I, I know how busy you are, and I know how your client list is such that, you know, that keeps you busy. And then, of course, you're talking to new people with your hour-long consultations, that keeps you busy. It's just amazing how generous you are with your time with people that you're not really going to get any remuneration from. You know, if you, if you enjoy what you do, and you know I enjoy what I do, uh, I'm passionate about it. I, I'm happy to go that. I, I'm a big believer that everything comes full circle, and um, we do the best we can. There really aren't enough hours in the day to cover everything and talk to everybody that we'd like to, but I think we're pretty pretty good at getting back to our clients, getting back to anybody that calls in, getting them the answers that they're looking for. And by the way, our meter's not always running, and I'd like to say that Paul works the same way. I, I've never had somebody come back to me and say, why did you send me over to that attorney's office? The meter was running as soon as I walked in. It doesn't work that way, and I think uh, I thank Paul because, you know, working in this industry for a long time, you do go through that process of finding out who is quality and, and who's willing to do the right thing by your customers and who who doesn't. And um, I'm very fortunate to have found people in, in, in the field that really care as I do. Well, only a limited number of appointment times are available to see Roman. If you would like to go in and get that all-important second opinion, um, I, I, if it were me, I would call tonight and just leave a message. The number to call is 248-312-7217. That's 248-312-7217 for Roman Baczynski at Oakwood Financial Network. Just leave your name and your telephone number, of course, and one of his friendly staff will get back to you, and uh, they'll go ahead and set up that appointment. And, gentlemen, it's been a real pleasure to be with you this evening, Roman and and Paul, and hope to see you both again next month. Thank you. Always enjoyable, John. Thank you. You've been listening to Money Wise with Roman Baczynski. Here's Roman with a closing word. You've been listening to Money Wise. I'm Roman Baczynski, president of Oakwood Financial Network, a comprehensive financial services firm committed to helping qualified clients achieve long-term financial success by developing customized strategies to help grow, protect, and preserve your wealth. If you're like many of my clients, you've accumulated substantial assets through your career to help you prepare for this ultimate vacation called retirement. 
Now that you're getting closer to that goal, or perhaps already there, will your current approach give you the outcome that you desire? How do you know? Do you have a written plan that addresses all of your expenses, needs, lifestyle, and legacy goals? Have you factored in inflation? Have you properly prepared for not only your needs, but the needs of your family? Are you really looking at the big picture? One of the biggest mistakes that individuals make with their investment and retirement approach is chasing after investment returns with emotional purchases instead of sitting down and putting together a comprehensive written plan that addresses your entire situation. If you're a qualified individual getting closer to retirement and wondering if your current approach is going to get you the desired outcome, I invite you to contact me by calling my office tomorrow morning at 248-312-7217 and scheduling a complimentary, no-obligation, one-hour review of your current approach. The number again is 248-312-7217 or send me an email at oakwoodfn at natplan.com. That's O-A-K-W-O-O-D-F-N at natplan.com with any questions. Thank you and enjoy the rest of your evening. Money Wise is sponsored by Oakwood Financial Network. Securities and advisory services offered through National Planning Corporation, member FINRA, SIPC, and registered investment advisor. Oakwood Financial Network and National Planning Corporation are separate and unaffiliated companies.